Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. Uh, I am your co-host, Peyton Guthrie, joined as always by Alan Kenny. Uh, it'll just be the two of us tonight. Matt is uh, hosting uh, on the flagship franchise uh, radio station, a uh, fantasy football thing. I, I believe he does an hourly uh, hourly show there. So just be Alan and I. Uh, so it might be a little bit quicker to get run through this uh, with the pleasantries. But Alan, how are things going? You had a busy weekend. Oh yeah, no, I was good, man. I, uh, you know, got taken a concert and, uh, you know, watched a lot of football. That's, uh, all, you know, always fun. So, uh, doing well and, uh, looking forward to, uh, get kicking off big fall play this week. How did you do on the picks? How did I do on the picks? I think I went like two and three, so, mm-hmm. uh, cooled off a little bit, but you know, I mean, I'm still, uh, in, in decent shape record wise. I think I'm like nine and six on the year. Let's plug some. Uh, let's plug some uh, podcast appearances for both of us. You were on a, a K State podcast. Uh, where is that going to be at? Yeah, it's uh, called Bring On the uh, uh, Podcast. It's part of Bring On the the uh, Cats. It's a uh, Kansas State blog run, uh, you know, through SB Nation. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke Thompson was nice enough to uh, invite me on. Uh, talked with him and his uh, co-host JT about uh you know what's going to be coming up here in the game you know they they had a lot of good questions uh you know about what to expect from the Sooners and uh you know it was, it was nice to get uh the, their insights too on what they're seeing from uh the Wildcats I also uh just in going to finish up recording a podcast with uh Ty Berger he actually is the uh I call him the editor emeritus of uh that of uh bring on the cats because he's been you know he was he, he kind of started the site and he and i have been doing uh podcasting when it comes to OU kansas state stuff for uh gosh a long time now so ty uh joined me to uh talk a little bit about uh how he views the, the matchup and that will be on our patreon feed coming up and that patreon uh again to listen to that's just four dollars a month it's even cheaper than a cup of coffee to be honest with you <laughs> at this point in time uh, and then I uh, had Jeff Burkhart reach out to me, and so I'll be on College and Kimball podcast, a K-State podcast, uh, previewing uh, the matchup coming this weekend. So the Keyhole Boys uh, spreading and um, doing doing the good deed for the uh, OU, OU blog sphere, talking about how great OU is. Hopefully you had some good things to say about OU. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I was, I was well. fairly complimentary. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Uh, what did I have here? I've got a bring extremely thing here. So uh, I'm going to plug Vanessa House, guys. You know, we have Vanessa House on our uh, on home game weekends. Sunday, Matt and I will be at Vanessa House to do the recap show. Uh, keep a, a look on the uh, at Keyhole Pod uh, Twitter account for um, for times for that. Uh, we try to do it a little bit in the in in between the mid NFL games and late night NFL games. Uh, so Matt can get his fix, uh, but we'll be <laughs> tweeting that out. And then again, as always, you know, thank you to Vanessa House for being uh, the the uh, a title sponsor. And then if you want to help us out, subscribe uh, on any of our, our platforms or join the Patreon. Like I said, for four dollars, you get everything. And if you were to join four dollars now before October one, you have a chance to be entered to a drawing for two count them one two OU Texas uh, tickets down in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. Uh, just for a chance, it's four bucks. You can sign up for a month. Listen to us. If you like us, keep us on there. But if not, it's a $4 chance uh, at two tickets to OU Texas. It's hard to beat. But moving on to uh, kind of the uh, meat of the show, all of a sudden we have to do this all over again. Bedlam has died again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I guess it's official more than it was kind of unlike everyone kind of just assumed it was not going to happen. But now it seems officially it is gone for the foreseeable future. Both ADs uh, speaking to uh, the Action Network, uh, Brent McMurphy, right? Yeah. Uh, basically saying we just don't have room for it with with our uh, scheduling philosophies moving forward. Um, and this is, has a lot of people up in their feelings <laughs> once again talking about the real you know realignment destroying college football. Do you have any? I mean, you're, you're the thinker. You're, you're the brain. Yeah. Do you have? <laughs> What are, what are your thoughts on all of it? What are your thoughts on it? This, like, I don't know. It, it's it's football season. It seems weird that this got brought up again. Well, yeah, that part. I'm like, we we already knew this was coming. Uh, there's, you know, there's, of course, they're they're not going to have any room for this. Um, you know, you would like, I think, in a lot of in a lot of ways, for them to uh, kind of figure out a way to make it work, right? But uh, with the way things are going, I can understand why they're why they're saying it out. Um, you know, I look, man, I mean, I'm super sympathetic to OSU in this, honestly, just because like, you know, people are fans. This sucks for their program in general. I, I get it. And like, you know, I, I get why they're, they're pissed off and like, you know what, like, it's kind of like this kind of thing where like, you know, OU just has to kind of own this that, yeah, we're the cause of this, you know, um, but uh you know i i i so i guess i'm probably more sympathetic to it just because like i don't like the way college football is going i've said that numerous times on this show and other formats and venues also uh and this is just a symptom of it um the fact that that this game's going away um but you know i i don't know it, it's kind of like you know do you want to have uh modern competitive football program at OU going forward or do you want to you know keep keep some of these traditions alive I'm not just not sure it's possible to uh continue continue doing that yeah it, it, it's just it's it's the cost of doing business I mean that's just I mean maybe that's the coldness of it all I mean this is just the way things are moving and if, if you just I don't know I mean you just look at the Pac-12 you look at the big the big 12 look at the ACC it's you can't be in the boat where you're being double, potentially triple earned, you know, to, to the SEC yeah. in, the, in the Big Ten at that point in time. It just makes you a non-viable competitor. 
in a sport where OU's biggest thing is that they are a competitor. I mean, you know, I mean, like you have to be in that com- competition boat. You have to be that you have to draw that money in there. And Oklahoma State and the rest of the Big Twelve, man, I I get it because you thought you're attached to these two, your two drivers, your two economic drivers. It's almost kind of like a, uh, uh, man, I mean, re- I can't believe I make this uh, comparison. It's almost like an Atlas Shrug type situation <laughs> where the big money people said, we're out of here. <laughs> and it's like, oh, crap, what do we do now? Um, you know, it's the fears of appeasing them. And, and, you know, and maybe they should have done that in the first place. <laughs> uh, mm. Not uh, Maybe that's a lesson learned for some larger economic models uh, down the line. Um, but, yeah, that's just the hardest part in my mind is that I do think Bedlam is important. I think regional rivalries are important and are the lifeblood of college football. Now, the lucky thing for OU fans is that you're moving into a conference that is pretty much it, – it's large, but it's pretty much regionally locked. Like, OU will have a pod of regional rifles there. You've got Texas, you have A&M, you've got Missouri, you've got Arkansas, you've got LSU. I mean, you've got guys within driving distance all around you, so that's fantastic. You're not like UCLA apparently, quote-unquote, breaking even to go play Rutgers. You know, you're not flying coast-to-coast to, coast to do some of these things, so – that part, I still don't – I don't think the SEC has ruined the regionality of college football because they've been very particular about who they bring in and does it fit their regional footprint and their, their kind of mindset of football. Um, but, yeah, it, it does suck. It, it does suck mm-hmm. for OSU. You can see this stuff. I mean, it's just how the other schools package the OU games with other tickets. Right. Get those things sold. I mean, that's – you. Uh, OU playing OU in Texas is an economic driver for a lot of these schools. Uh, Texas Tech has its first sellout since two, uh, this weekend, since 2018, when they played Texas last. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's what it is, and that it, it's going to be a, a, an adjustment period for these schools, you know, and good for them for adjusting. I know I'm gonna mention Texas Tech again, just uh, announced they had an 11 million dollar donation from uh, a booster family. So, I mean, they seem to be circling the wagon, so to speak, for this stuff. But when you've got like the thing I don't want to hear is head coaches having to make statements about this stuff. Like Mike Gundy has like a poem written or something. I mean, I need to have a poem, but he said he wrote some stuff down. (laughs) He like wrote some stuff down. I was like, who cares what Mike Gundy has to say about it? I mean, I get they're larger than life and everything, but they're asking Brent and like, what do you think about it? It's like, well, he's just the head football coach. I mean, (laughs) this was made by (laughs) this ESPN made this decision, (laughs) you know, it's like, uh, or Fox is making this decision has nothing to do with Mike or Brent. And maybe that's just the nativity of college football where we still think it's so, at times, pure. Yeah. And yeah, that just well, doesn't exist. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that if you look back on the way things went the last round of realignment, I mean, I think OU, you know, it, it kind of – it's funny because I think that people perceived it as a case where OU and OSU were kind of tied together – um, like legally or that there'd be some type of political fallout, like if they went their separate ways or if OU had done something different. But I th- I think, you know, what, what you found and what I try to explain to people is no, like, you know, OU really did try to keep OSU, you know, try to stay attached to OSU and tried, you know, tried to make, tried to make that work. And it's, you know, at least part of the reason why OU stayed in the big 12 uh you know at at that point yeah so you know i mean it's it's just you know it it kind of got to a point where they just it just you know you couldn't like you couldn't 
you couldn't save everybody, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's like the Titanic. I mean, there's only so so many, uh, yeah. so many so many lifeboats on that point in time. Yeah, I would think I was. You think I, I think Texas would be the uh, spurned husband type who's like trying to get on with the with the uh, with the kids. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but hopefully, you know, it, I mean, it's right. I mean, OU was trying to do its stuff. OU was boosting up its rural medical centers and stuff like. I mean, OU was getting prepared for this type of move knowing this was going to happen you know i know osu kind of handles in the state a lot of its rural medical health and stuff and oklahoma has university of has been really promoting and flushing money into that health field and everything like that understanding that there's going to be a gap and they're they're stepping to that field and everything um i I take my miniature schnauzer arlo he's got a little ou bandana and every vet i take him to in oklahoma (laughs) They're always like, you need to take that bandana off. Get an orange <laughs> yeah, on them. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? No, we're in Oklahoma, <laughs> yeah. and I forget. Oh yeah, you probably went to Oklahoma State. You know, yeah. Basically, every vet in the state went to OSU. So <laughs> it's 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 a it's a bigger downfall in my opinion than maybe what some OU fans are thinking of. Because I mean, it is a piece of history, even though it's obviously one sided history. And the only time it's ever really brought up is when OU loses. <laughs> so I mean, I get that point of it. You don't want to be stuck in that type of rivalry. But the Iron Bowls are similar. I mean, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Alabama. I think they have like a what, like a sixty-game lead on Auburn or something along those lines. It's crazy, it, yeah. It's not close, but people would think it'd be really weird if those two didn't play. Uh, same thing for a lot of these teams, but the money talks, and you have to follow that way. But good on Mike Gundy for always saying, "Oh, you followed Texas." Good on him for doing that. Like, I mean, why not get a couple <laughs> sparbs in? And also good. You know, no notes, 100%, 10 out of 10, Oklahoma releasing the single game tickets for Bedlam an hour after that uh, <laughs> after that report was posted. <laughs> yeah. Genius. I mean, you take your hat off to them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, yeah. short game recap for uh, Nebraska-Oklahoma. We talked about it on the Patreon uh, recap show, but we'll jump into it just slightly. Uh, Oklahoma wins 49-14. to 14. Uh, The game was never really in doubt once OU started uh, rolling. Um, what's your what's your short what's your short 30 60 second recap of the game, uh, Alan? Yeah, Nebraska is really bad. Uh, I don't yep. think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I think that they did in the beginning. You could tell that they they got some energy or a boost from getting Scott Frost out of there, bringing in the new coaching staff. Uh, and I think that the best thing, you know, it was a complete performance from OU on both sides of the ball and special teams. But I think, you know, the better, the bigger takeaway for me was um, the fact that they did not let Nebraska at all capitalize on that energy boost from the beginning. You know, they didn't, they, they snuffed, uh, snuffed the life out of the Cornhuskers pretty early and uh, then were able to cruise the rest of the way. Yeah. the, the... The, the quote that uh, seems to be that every uh, sports writer in Oklahoma is uh, talking about is the uh, we control the volume or as a defense, we should be the ones controlling the volume. Um, that's what happened. I mean, OU turned it to zero. They hit mute. And that was that. <laughs> and they, they just held onto that button. It it did not seem, it seemed, I don't know when it was, what was it, like a three and out and then Nebraska scored. And I thought, Oh man, here we go. But just the team didn't panic. The team didn't freak out. 
And honestly, that's what that was something I was wanting to see what would happen because in the past you would see it uh, uh, an OU defense give up a big play, and it would just seem like oh shit, here we go again, like type of a thing. And even from the players on the field, they'd, it'd be it would be very look like there'd be an immediate like oh man <laughs> type of a thing. Like the moment that first thing happened, uh, OU took a punch, absorbed it, and then just worked the body <laughs> for, for <laughs> uh, you know fifty minutes. Uh, Never really seemed to I me. Mean, I guess the biggest thing you say to a knockout blow was the uh, the Dylan Gabriel run, the 61 yard run. That's only like big, 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 massive, massive play. But the rest of the time, oh, you just took their time, it didn't panic, didn't freak out, and just did what they meant to do. Um, which honestly is um, it's a, a, a nice, a, a nice breath of fresh air in my mind from no you program for the last six years or so. Right. Like that's the part that is kind of, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, okay, you know, because this is, you know, kind of what you should expect from OU. And uh, it kind of speaks to, I think, where the program got from a psychological standpoint, you know, under uh, in the past five years, uh, pre under the previous coaching staff, because you were just kind of accustomed to, oh, you just letting teams hang around for so long. Yeah. Uh, but this is what good teams do. They don't really, I mean, it, it shouldn't be a surprise or an accomplishment to go and uh, beat the hell out of a really bad team. Um, so uh, from that standpoint, I feel like we're kind of getting back to uh, business as usual. Speaking of business as usual, um, the ever fickle nature, <coughs> excuse me, uh, yard allergies, the ever, ever fickle nature of, uh, national college football media. Uh, now OU is uh, on certain, uh, I think CBS Live had one. I think uh, on three had something where it's like, who would OU be the number four seed right now? And stuff like that. So I mean, we're, we're in week three, <laughs> but it's yeah. just, it's just the roller coaster of content that has to be created. You know, you have to, you have to have the lows, you have to have the highs uh, for this stuff to make sense for it to be ever present. I mean, it, it almost seems like it's a, you know, like a, like a, a bipolar type thing of, you know, a program has to be dead, but oh wait, no, it's not. Now it has to be a, a playoff contender. It's like, well, oh, you could be anywhere in the middle of there. Like we don't mm -hmm. know yet. We're a quarter of the way through the season. We have to go through this stuff. Um, should OU fans be enjoying this stuff or i mean i guess and who's who says i'm not to say who should or should shouldn't be enjoying anything but i mean are you surprised to see some of the turnaround on on some of this noise and maybe brent having to now deal with that of it being oh OU's out of here they've got too many transfers they lost so much talent to now it's oh you could be in the playoff look at them they're looking good it's it seems like it's such it's flipped on its head so quickly and now you have to play a wounded kansas state uh, with the the number one defense in the Big Twelve, what sort of noise do you think Brent is trying to handle? And you know, do you think it's actually penetrating, or I don't know, what are your what's your take on it? Yeah, it's very odd to me the way it flipped because a lot of the talk about Nebraska through the first they've played four games, they played four or they played four games now. A lot of the talk about Nebraska is how bad they are. I mean, now yeah. they just fired their coach. And now it's, it's, uh, you know, a sign that, you know, of OU, uh, you know, it's like a, they're able to put a stamp of approval on OU because 
they went and blew out Nebraska. I mean, like I said, this just isn't is not a good team. It's I I guess I mean I maybe I'm more surprised <laughs> that it seemed like so many of the uh, national talking heads seemed uh, convinced that OU was so subpar or not even sub, not subpar. That's not even the right word, but had taken such a big step back that the idea that they would blow Nebraska out is, you know, is such a shock. I, you know, we don't, it's the, the pendulum is, is swinging a little far in my opinion, just based on what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, I guess going to be a challenge for Brent Venables, but uh, I mean, there's so much right now that that they're dealing with that, you know, they've heard, uh, you know, coming into the season being doubted, that type of stuff. I'm not sure if the idea or the the mindset in the locker room will have would have shifted that much uh, in just one week. Like, I think there's if there was any if they were if there was any kind of, you know, trying to prove the haters wrong or the doubters, you know, I, I think that's probably still in play. Oh, for sure. And so now you have to think about, oh, you was uh, welcoming the Wildcats, welcoming the uh, Kansas uh, Kansas State into Norman. Uh, 6 p.m. kickoff uh, will be prime time. Michigan is taking the big noon kickoff bullet this year for Oklahoma. You know, good on them. Thank you so much to Maze in the Blue for doing that. Uh, really appreciative of that. But OU now gets to play KSU. They get to show off those LED lights in the big time program game, not just against Kent State. Um they get to do the cool little light strobe thing, which looks horrible on TV, but looks cool in person. I will say, <laughs> looks dreadful on TV, but very cool in person. Um, K State two and one. They lost last week to uh, Tulane. As I mentioned, K State does uh, at this point in time have the number one rated defense of the Big Twelve. OU is number two. Uh, OU also has the number two rated offense of the Big Twelve. And I believe the number one is Kansas, which is strange. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So good on them. Uh, so OU sitting very pretty number two in both, but Kansas State being uh, number one at this point in time on defense. Offense is an entirely different uh, uh, story for them, uh, averaging 5.3 yards per play, and uh, Adrian Martinez averaging 4.6 yards in attempt uh, passing. Uh, to give you guys a good uh, uh, comparison point there, Deuce Vaughn averages 5.7 yards over rush. Uh, so it's uh that is not how you serve that's not how you win football games uh in any modern in any well maybe in like the old old era but uh, i'm not for sure that even then that's good uh what what does oh you have to do to watch out for this i mean what's <laughs> what's your tell of the tape i guess yeah um it was kind of funny to me coming into this season um uh, how many people i heard would were saying um about OU, well, oh, well, they, they've got Dylan Gabriel transferring in, like, eh. But then we were supposed to be really excited about uh, Adrian Martinez taking over at quarterback for Kansas State, that that was what was going to put the Wildcats over the top. Um, I, you know, Martinez is a super talented runner. <clears throat> he and, uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn, I mean, you know, that's a really potent combo running that, you know, kind of option game there. But if you can't move the ball down the field through, through the air, like it, it, that really doesn't matter that much. Uh, and to this point, Martinez has just been abysmal throwing the ball. Um, you know, when talking with people from around uh, Kansas state, 
you know, they're, they're not quite sure what's going on. You know, there's some, I, there's some thought that maybe he's heard so much about his turnovers in the past that he's just gotten a little too timid, but you know, I, I think there's also, I mean, he had off season uh, shoulder surgery. Yeah. So there's, you know, questions as to if he, his arm is just limiting his arm strength. Um, but whatever it is, you know, I mean, Tulane basically just said, Hey, you're going to have to beat us through the air last week and they couldn't do it. You know, I mean, it just, it wasn't happening. Um, so, you know, I, I'm assuming that OU is going to probably, uh, employ a similar strategy and make Martinez have to uh hit Malik Knowles or Philip Brooks, you know, for a big place down the field because otherwise it's just not nothing's it, it, it will be a very long day if the plan is just we're going to you know option you guys all day. Yeah, I don't see OU doing anything other than just sitting on the line scrimmage. Uh, like you said, and just daring them to be, beat them over the top. And it's just not something that, I mean, I, I don't want to be hateful to to somebody's skill set. I do it all the time. Uh, <laughs> but I just don't think it's, it's just something that Martinez can pull off. And honestly, I was one of those guys who thought K-State would be a, a nice dark horse, uh, you know, opponent, would be able to get this stuff figured out. I assumed that, you know, the change of change of scenery and all that type of stuff would go well for, for everyone involved, but it just has not present itself in any way shape or form he looks like an entirely different person uh because at nebraska while he wasn't efficient he still put up yards he still was able to lead them in you know was still a usable quarterback he does not he borderline does not seem usable at this point in time uh he's got he's got 300 yards is this the average he averaged he averaged last season he averaged 9.4 yards per passing attempt yeah this year's at four points like and and I mean he's they've played their three, three of their easiest opponents this year maybe the three easiest yeah <laughs> to this point like I, it just doesn't something something's not adding up here um you know and that's even that was even brought up on the podcast I was mentioning that I appeared on I mean they were legit talking about you know going to uh to the backup there I believe his name is uh, Jake Rubley yeah I see him uh, right here. So that, that was, I mean, that was even part of the conversation. It's um, yeah. It's it just something, something isn't working. Yeah. After three games, Martinez has, that's what I thought was an I did. I, it's hard to believe this is real, but after three games, he has 304 yards uh, total uh, passing offense. It's just, that's just abysmal. Um, and then that's really hampering Deuce Fawn, but he is sitting at 352 at this point in time. Give an example, Eric Gray's at 286. Uh, but Deuce has 62 attempts. Like they're, I mean, uh, compared to Eric Grace, 37. So I mean, they're really Eric, Deuce Vaughn is their offense. Uh, I mean, it has he is their offense, and if Brent can just bottle that up as best they can, uh, excuse me once again. Uh, I, I think oh, you can walk out of here for pretty, uh, pretty easy victory to a certain degree. What what seems like maybe some toothless, at least on offense, um, uh, Wildcats. But the real test will be when OU has the football. Uh, this is the best defense they will have played by far, the best defensive line they will have played uh, by far. This is not a team that uh, will mess around. Like before before the uh, OU game, Nebraska had um, nine tackles for loss. Uh, Austin Moore for Kansas State has four and a half by himself uh, already. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different type of game here. Uh, OU is going to have to hopefully 
the blocking and everything from Nebraska was much more indicative uh, indicative of who the offensive line is as opposed to who it was versus uh, Kent State. Is is there anything that you see from when when OU has the football and they're trying to deal with Kansas State's you know defense and and what's being kind of this bully ball that uh, Climate's kind of known for? Well, you know, I mean, I harped on it uh, on our uh, Patreon pod, but you know, Dylan Gabriel has got to be better about getting rid of the ball, not holding it so long. Uh, he's taking some unnecessary sacks. This is the kind of game where that can really come back to bite you because, I mean, Kansas State's pass rush is good. It's a well-coached team up and down. I mean, you know, and the one thing that could get OU in trouble here is, I mean, you know, I think turnovers, obviously, and, you know, potentially, you know, if they give up a score in special teams because Kansas State has a really good return yeah. game. Um, but, you know, so, I, I mean, I don't know if if – we saw the real OU offensive line or if, you know, Nebraska just sucks that bad there. I mean, their defense was really bad. Um, but, you know, it was, it was definitely a promising sign. This will be a much bigger test. Um, and like I said, it's a test for Gabriel too. And, you know, how well he's able to, I mean, they're going to, they're going to play some of that three, three, three defense also yeah. that, uh, that they've been doing. So, also, you know, how well has OU adjusted to that? I mean, it took a while to get going when uh, Kansas or probably Kent State was throwing those funky looks out there. So, you know, how quickly do they adjust to whatever it is that Kansas State is doing there? Um, you know, it's just, you know, they're going to rely on this defense to really kind of ugly the game up and uh, hope for a couple uh, good breaks, you know. So, you know, the the speed with which OU can get out, put points on the board is going to be uh, very big in this game. Yeah. If OU can get up two scores, that may be the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, they're not, I mean, Kansas state isn't quite Iowa <laughs> level yeah. bad, but if OU can just get up two scores and then hold serve, uh, I think they can just kind of hold this team at, at a distance. Uh, this may be the only team that OU plays that's uh well, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at Baylor's defensive numbers, uh, but I think they've kind of dropped off uh, a decent amount from last year. But this may be the only team that – this may be the best defense uh, that OU kind of runs into during the Big 12 uh, slate, depending on what you think about uh, OSU at the end of the year, how it all kind of shakes out. Uh, this will be an interesting test. It's just a teleboat. It's it, OU's playing another half team. You know, Nebraska was supposed to be a team for bad defense. We knew that, but they had a good offense. OU's defense showed up and shut down the quote-unquote good offense, um, and now they have a chance to test the other side of it. You're playing a team with a bad offense, but a really good defense. Can, o, can OU's offense answer that test at that point in time? That's always something I'm very interested. Uh, when you're on the, when you recorded, uh, let's, let's see if we can give uh, some of the our, our public listeners uh, some, uh, some, of the, some of the inside deets. I mean, not counting Deuce Vaughn, were there anybody that they were, they were saying, hey, this is a guy you should – you guys should be looking out for or anything like that where they're, I mean, just beyond the backup quarterback, maybe. Well, you know, Kansas state has, uh, you know, they've got um, probably, I would say an underrated receiving core. Um, Malik Knowles has been, you know, has, is he's, he's at least physically what you'd want a receiver. Now the production hasn't necessarily been there, but you know, I mean, the guy's six, three, so that's a tough matchup, you know, there on the outside, uh, Philip Brooks is a really nice option in the slot. And then they've also got, 
uh, Kurt Warner's son, Cade Warner, spelled with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, he's another guy that uh, you know is is a really solid possession receiver. You know, think Drake's think Drake Stoops ish. Um, so you know they can they can certainly they've got some <coughs> weapons there, but the question is just you know how well they can uh, take advantage of those three guys. Yeah, Malik Knowles sitting on 10 catchers for 92 yards on the season. Uh, not – this is just a very, very depressed offense. Uh, it, it's, yeah. hard to, it's hard to really uh, dig into it either. If if guys start scoring and Kansas State start putting up points, uh, it's an issue. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think that's a fair fair way to put it. Uh, Brent Venables was asked in his press conference, uh, did he have any uh, thoughts and feelings and any tingling kind of uh, sensations when he thought about Kansas State and the old job? And it, it it was kind of odd to me that he, against Nebraska, he had the tear up moment. He had to stop and compose himself. And Kansas State, he was like, yeah, they, they started me off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I've read some stuff and I've seen some things of people talking about Snyder, not in a bad way at all, but being like, this was a psych, a psychotic human being when it came to coaching football Yeah, <laughs> for, for Bob and for Brent and all that stuff. This is probably like an escape <laughs> you know, <laughs> to get employed by somebody else to do the same things and then go and then have the ability to see your family. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's stories where uh, I, I can't remember. I was actually a Nebraska guy had said, uh, Brent mentioned a story about, um, if uh, Snyder saw saw you, did not see you in your uh, coach's office, he would call a meeting, call a team meeting. If you, if you weren't at the team meeting, he'd fire you. Uh, Brent Venables was there last one, a late one last night. And he's like, man, I want to go get a coat. And so he jumps in his truck, goes go, goes across the street to the gas station. Apparently, Snyder sees him uh, sees him leaving, calls the team meeting. He's not there. Brent comes in, sees everyone there. He's thinking, oh shit, I'm I'm out of here. You know, I'm <laughs> thinking yeah. like this is it. Uh, I mean that that type of atmosphere does seem like one i would not want to work in but yeah. uh 80s college football might be uh, you know uh, or whenever it was early 90s college football might be yeah. a little bit different uh than, than what it is now um but yeah it just did not seem to have the same emotional tug there so maybe just maybe the long kruger effect will not be in effect uh this weekend <laughs> but i did pick kansas state to upset uh ou uh in our in our preseason uh prediction so i have to kind of ride that uh for our final score predictions um so i guess we'll, we'll i think we've done a pretty good job there alan where where do you think this is going to end up does ou cover what's your score yeah you know my initial like knee-jerk thought was something like ou 2817 um and that's probably what i'll end up submitting to athlon i'm a little bit I'm starting to lean more towards the, towards OU the more I've kind of dug into this, just looking at uh, Martinez, but uh, Kansas state's defense is good enough. And, you know, it's possible, like I said, you know, that, you know, they can potentially do enough to shorten the game to keep it, you know, make it ugly that kind of deal where OU's in control the whole way, but it never just runs away and hides, you know? Well, I have to. I now have to do uh, pick my make my actual prediction. I have Kansas State. I, I said they would win. Said OU was <laughs> where they trip up. Uh, Kansas State twenty four, OU twenty one. Uh, we'd have we're gonna have a, a Gabriel like sack fumble type thing on those first down sacks. Uh, and it's just gonna change the complexion of the game at that point in time. Maybe some special teams plays. Um, I don't want to do it, but you have to stick your guns <laughs> if you said you did it. 
Uh, I don't think there's enough evidence for me not to say, oh, you could get caught randomly uh, at this point in time. Uh, so I think, oh, you just kind of gets caught randomly uh, coming down off the big emotional game against Nebraska uh, as they start looking ahead towards Texas in a, uh, in a few weeks, uh, thinking maybe they've got a uh, an easy opponent because they just lost to Tulane. Um, that that uh, defensive line is going to be tough. I don't think I think uh, it's going to be hard sledding for Oklahoma, and then um, K State kind of pulls out a weird wonky game, probably another type of game where everyone's frustrated that OU has a couple like ninety second drives as they go uh, three and out, and and then K State proceeds to hold the ball for twelve minutes. Uh, I think it may be that type of game. Um, it, the only way it won't be is if OU can score quickly, like the first two possessions, first three possessions, and then it's kind of just game over. If that doesn't happen, I think the game could get weird uh, at that point in time. Yeah, no, I mean, Smart. yeah, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Uh, and then I did see a tweet today. Uh, already, OU has more punt, retar- punt return yardage than all of 2021 through three games for the entire season of 2021. So I think Brent is doing some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> especially on the special teams thing. Uh, I will hold my complaint about the uh, kickoff returns. They did not do any stupid re- kickoff returns against Nebraska. Happy about that. Uh, I do like the aggression on the punt return though. Um, that, yeah. And nice. you know, I mean, I, I, I wish it was somebody besides Marvin Mims <laughs> that was doing it, but uh, just, you know, I mean, not liking him exposed to any more punishment than, than necessary, but uh, no, they've been, it's been, it's been strong so far. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's certainly been a change too. And then moving on to the wider world of college football, <laughs> maybe we'll do some sort of sound effect that once we become professional. Uh, we've got some other games around uh, the college football landscape. I've got four that I picked out. Uh, I don't know if you've got some like ones you've been kind of percolating for your picks. I think Clemson Wake is interesting. Uh, Baylor Iowa State's interesting. Florida Tennessee is always interesting. Game day will be there uh, because they're cowards. <laughs> they don't want to go to Kansas, uh, even though I don't even know if Kansas would even want them on on campus. I mean, from my understanding, the stadium and everything like that it's not quite up to yeah a not, national not, spotlight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess there's nice there are nice places around campus. I'm sure that they could uh, <laughs> film from, but. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing worthwhile uh, inside the stadium there. Uh, and then also Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State, I think are interesting. I think Wake could put a scare into Clemson, um, Tennessee over Florida. I think you need to pick that. And then I, I would say Wisconsin covers. I don't know if they pull off the upset, but I think it's the same type of thing. Extremely strong defensive line. Uh, maybe they kind of muck up some stuff uh, for uh, Iowa State. And then I, I want to get your point on this. Um. <laughs> I was watching, uh, I think it was like C- some YouTube show, CBS YouTube show, and there it was one that was one of the ones where they're saying, can OU be a playoff team? Um, and they said, well, it kind of it depends on what the rest of college football happens because OU doesn't have a lot of strong teams on the schedule to now test themselves against. Uh, and that's saying you, you got ranked, ranked Texas, you have number nine overall Oklahoma State, you know, Baylor's still, um, still ranked number 17 at this point in time. Uh, but they just kind of hand waved Baylor. I have not been paying attention to Baylor that much. Uh, are they just? Is it just kind of? Don't think about them. I mean, has their prof has their Q score dropped uh, after uh, seeing BYU then get uh, completely dominated in the way that they did against Oregon? 
I think that there is definitely something to that. Yeah. I mean, it seems, you know, again, the transitive property thing, but, um, you know, Oregon, uh, I mean, really took it to BYU. I don't know how much of that you might've watched, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a competitive game. Um, and the fact that, uh, you know, Baylor couldn't do that, uh, that's concerning. Uh, I think that, one of their big they, they lost a lot of production um at wide receiver and i think that that right now they just you know, their ability to to uh throw the ball is just uh i mean it's so limited uh by what they've got there now you know baylor is a developmental program without a doubt yeah. so you know yeah. it's the kind of thing where i would expect they'll be playing a lot better in a month or six weeks than they are right now but it's it's certainly a problem you know um but it will and if ohu keeps winning i i think that uh you know uh the playoff will take care of itself um yeah. but like yeah i mean it's it, they are correct it depends on what happens everywhere else but it, an undefeated ou it would have would clearly be a playoff team no no doubt about it what other games are sticking out in uh, in your mindset? Any of the four I mentioned uh, kind of make it make the cut for you? Yeah, you know the Baylor the Baylor uh, Iowa State game for reasons that we mentioned. That's that's definitely one to watch because I mean Iowa State actually has looked pretty strong so yeah. far this year, yeah, and the numbers uh, show oh, Iowa State as should be favored. I don't know if they're favored in, in the Vegas line, but there's some analytical models showing Iowa State is a percentage like five percentage point you know, wind favorite over Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Iowa and State I it was going to be terrible bad this year. Right. I think the line, yeah, I think the line reflects that. I'm pretty sure they're a very short favorite. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's certainly one. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I'm interested. I mean, TCU SMU, that, that game is always oh, yes. so funny to me. Uh, you know, but we'll get a better idea of what to expect from TCU a week later. Um, so far, you know, they've done a pretty good job of hammering some uh, some bad teams. SMU will be a little bit of a step up in in competition there. Uh, USC, Oregon State. I mean, I'm 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 always interested in watching USC. This the team is, uh, you know, it's it's got a super charged offense, yep. and the defense is just bad. So you know, Oregon State's got, you know a pretty well coached team. Um, this could be a, a real point fest. Um, so that's that's one I'll definitely be interested in seeing. Um, otherwise, you know, I mean, Tennessee, Florida, eh, not really. It doesn't really sound all that great to me. Uh, you know, KU, Duke. I mean, it's fun for the novelty of it, but you know, I mean, do I think it's going to be like a a really exciting football game? Ah, not really. So you know, uh, it's 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 kind of a ho hum slate to me. So, but are you thinking KU's four now? I think they get it done. Yeah, I do. Is, is it strange to you? Because uh, it, it got brought up. I was not paying attention because we we're all caught up in the Kansas uh, hoopla. Duke was terrible last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. already has him the 3-0. Uh, so, I mean, extremely good job on him. I thought he took I, – I thought that was a massive miscalculation on him to pick that as his first head coaching job. But it, this seems to be kind of a lost storyline in, in, in that – it's probably just because I live in Big 12 country – uh, you, you know, you're much closer to the Duke program. He looks <laughs> proximity wise, uh, uh, but you know, Kansas, it, it has sucked up the entire oxygen of everything. I mean, it's become kind of an internet darling uh, at this point in time already. 
Um, it's interesting to see an offense. Now their defense is not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is kind of cool to see their offense clicking and then moving the ball and being a, uh, a middling college football team. That's wild to think about just the depths of where that program was just three years ago, two years ago, even. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of the point where I'm, I'm kind of glad that OU's getting Kansas and Norman this year. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm saying that, but yeah, no, it's a, uh, I feel like that's a, that's a lucky break. And you know, I mean, Texas wanting its revenge, uh, you know, the they have to go uh, play them, play them at their the Jayhawk uh, nest or whatever you want to call it. So you know that not quite quite as easy as it looked uh you know three three or four weeks ago i like that i like your first your first thought was the jayhawk nest that's good hopefully hopefully that's uh, hopefully that <laughs> if not named hopefully they can make that the name the jayhawk nest yeah uh yeah you oh you gets its hard games at home it's nice uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah uh texas tech i was really hoping they'd have a much better uh showing uh, against uh North Carolina State because I picked them to win that game. Uh, they did not. They kind of got uh, shown to be an, uh, an inferior football team. Uh, uh, I don't know what they're going to do against uh, Texas. My assumption is that they're going to lose, but Texas is still banged up, and Texas themselves have weird troubles on their defense unless they're playing Alabama. Uh, if yeah. they're not playing that team, the defense seems kind of not good. Uh, it, it's it's That's a strange football game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's some rumblings that Ewers will be back this week. Um, yeah. You know, you, you want to get him, if he's going to play in the OU game, you, you certainly want to get him out there uh, sooner than later. Um, so I guess that's that's something to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that line came out at, at Texas minus five, and I, I that definitely, uh, definitely uh, you know, piqued the interest, I think, of uh, some observers. I... I was I was kind of surprised, but yeah, you know, I mean, there there's got to be something that they that that the odds makers are seeing about the about this matchup that makes them think it'll be tight. Uh, I think that's everything that we have on the docket. We've talked about uh, the recap of the game. We talked about the death of Bedlam. Um, you know, poor Judd is dead uh, from the <laughs> great uh, stage play, Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> um, we uh, talked about Kansas State and the upcoming games that we. Uh, have in front of us uh, i know you kind of poo-pooed the uh florida tennessee game but i i, I do want to see hype put it on florida uh yeah i, I mean i think that they will watch that yeah, yeah I, I mean i have a hard time seeing florida keeping up in that game uh so yeah that that could that uh, that has like blowout potential written all over it to me yeah especially when the florida quarterback uh richardson seems to have I guess the yips uh, to some <laughs> to, to a certain degree. Uh, he's got some Adrian Martinez type of thing going yeah. on. Uh, just doesn't seem to be able to throw the football in any uh, productive manner. Uh, that's a tough. That's a tough draw for year one uh, Napier, who I liked and thought would get the program running really well. But he's it's still obviously super early. He's got time, but college football is now hyperdrive. You've got like yeah. two years to figure it out, <laughs> yeah. or else you're you're figuring something else out. Yeah, exactly. Or unless you know you're you're the how to spend that buyout money. (laughs) Unless you're like the Scott Frost or something, and because you you played there, you get like a bunch of extra years or something. But uh, (laughs) now now everything's quick and uh, in a hurry. 
but that's it for us at Through the Keyhole. Remember, if you've listened to us all the way in the public and you liked it, if you listen all the way through, hopefully that means you liked it. Uh, for $4, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, you can find all of our content, uh, some of our written content as well. Uh, that's that's very sparse at this point in time. I'll, I will not lie. We both have full-time jobs and we're both recording like uh four podcasts a week it's um, uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make any sort of major promises but we do have some written content uh, now and then just to kind of our thoughts about the program um we have a podcast from uh analytics we have pod uh, like rob bauer and a uh, beta ranks uh sharp I, I beta rank uh we also have uh interviews with upcoming teams uh, uh reporters and, and bloggers and people who cover them to kind of give us an uh, upcoming look at stuff uh and we're kind of just like shaking and rolling some uh community engagement stuff um but again, if you're in Oklahoma City, drop by Vanessa House after home games on Sundays uh, to watch the uh, the live thing. We'll have a, micro, a couple of microphones set up so you can jump on the podcast and give us your thoughts. Uh, but without anything else, uh, I'm Peyton Guthrie. Uh, it's been a pleasure for uh, Alan Kinney. Boomer!